There's a saying, nothing good happens after midnight. And for this mother and daughter walking along a city street at 3 a.m. in Fremont, California, the worst thing happened. They were met with pure evil. I'm Jennifer Blades, and this is the Unanswered Podcast, Season 2, Cold as Ice. Many mothers and daughters share an unbreakable bond, and it looks like that was the case for 43-year-old Maria Hernandez and her 19-year-old daughter, Carmen. It was February 1st, 2004, when Maria set out to walk the four miles to her job at a nearby nursing care center. Maria's boyfriend usually takes her to work, but for whatever reason, he didn't take her that early morning. Maria was about to leave the house when her daughter Carmen told her mother that she didn't want her walking alone and that she would go with her. The two set out into the early morning and walked along a quiet neighborhood street in Newark, California. Newark is located in Alameda County and is an enclave surrounded by the city of Fremont. Newark, Fremont, and Union City make up the Tri-City area on the western edge of the city near the southern end of the San Francisco Bay so roughly 35 miles south of San Francisco. Newark has lots of parks and is next to many tech hubs. It's got a great small town feel to it, not a lot of crime, and just a nice place to raise a family. Halfway through their walk, the February cold was starting to get to them, and they decided to call Carmen's cousin, Maria's niece, to take them the remainder of the way. It was 3 a.m. when the phone rang and the cousin, Elodie, got the call from Carmen. It was reported that shortly after they got off the phone, someone began following Carmen and Maria from Thornton Avenue in Fremont to the corner of Alameda Drive and Contra Costa Avenue. Elodie called Carmen as she drove to pick them up to find out their exact location. But someone answered, and she heard screams coming from the other end of the phone. Edelie was never able to find out the women's location, and in some way, it's good that she didn't, because that would have been a traumatizing scene to show up to. A neighbor also heard those screams and went outside, only to find a horrifying scene. He saw a man standing over the women as he was repeatedly striking them over the heads with an unknown object. The neighbor yelled at the man and started throwing rocks at him to get him to stop. The attacker threw the object, which was later identified, as a thick tree branch on top of the women and fled the scene, running northbound on Contra Costa Avenue. Now, I don't know if this was a coincidence or not, but as the man ran off, a late 1980s or early 1990s white or light color Honda Accord was parked nearby with what witnesses reported as having three unidentified men in it. After the attack, the men sped off with their lights still off, making it hard to read the license plate number. Now, it could have been that they too witnessed the crime and got scared and drove off. Or maybe they were with the attacker and picked him up somewhere after he ran. Police have never been able to identify the driver or the other occupants of this vehicle to see if they had any information to help in the case or to see if they were possibly accomplices in the case. 
As Maria and Carmen lay in a pool of blood on the street, another neighbor ran to their side to check on the women, but saw no chest movement and heard no sounds. Both women died at the scene. Police detective Bill Veteran told the East Bay Times, quote, when police arrive, they collected several pieces of evidence, including a tree limb used in the killing and black underwear that were ripped off one of the women, end quote. He also stated that they didn't have any motive, but they didn't rule anything out. It also appears that police didn't know the meaning behind the underwear being ripped off of one of the women. Was this attack sexually motivated and turned deadly? Or, I mean, I honestly don't know what to make of this information. This whole case is very strange. Did Maria and Carmen know their attacker? Was he stalking them? Was there a confrontation that led to the man grabbing a nearby branch and bludgeoning them to death? So many unanswered questions. Detective Veteran stated that the suspect has been described as a white or Latino male in his early 20s, about six feet tall and weighing 200 pounds. He wore a blue denim jacket with tan sleeves, dark gray stonewashed jeans, and white tennis shoes. As one can only imagine, these double murders shook not only the neighborhood, but the community as a whole. This February marks 19 years since this awful crime occurred. Cold case investigator Jacob Blass stated he believed the killer knew the victims. He stated, quote, It takes a lot of hate, and that's why it's almost like more of a crime of passion to me, especially since the weapon of choice was a random tree branch, end quote. Maria's boyfriend was questioned, and his alibi was checked out. Other acquaintances were also looked at, but they too were also cleared. Investigators did state that DNA was found on the tree branch, but they still had not identified who it belonged to. Detective Blass said, quote, So that leads me to believe that that person committed the crime and then fled somewhere, or and never committed another crime. End quote. What's really sad is that Maria thought Fremont would be a safe area to raise her family in. And not to say that it's not, because we don't know if this was a random person or someone they knew. Maria was originally from central Mexico and lived in a small farming town. And Carmen had only been in the country for eight months. I always say this, but it's true. Someone knows something. I do believe that the man that attacked them was not a stranger. I also feel that the people in that unidentified vehicle were a part of this brutal crime. If you have any information to help bring this violent criminal to justice, please contact Fremont PD Detective Jacob Blass at 510-790-6963. Check out our social media pages to see the composite sketch of the attacker. I really hope that this case gets solved soon, even after all of these years. I can't imagine just walking to work and being attacked in this manner. It's so brutal. So please help get justice for this family. If this really was a random stranger, that's even scarier to me. That there's just somebody walking around that has the ability to just grab an object and take someone's life. Thank you for listening.
This week's ice-cold case is from Tallahassee, Florida. On October 2, 1974, 24-year-old San Francisco resident James Norris left home to take a little trip, which he said that he would be back from in a couple of days. James boarded a red-eye flight to Miami, Florida, and that same day traveled to the Citrus County area and mailed a postcard to his family from Inglis, which is on the Gulf Coast of Mexico in Florida. The postcard was postmarked on October 4, 1974. This was the last communication that they ever had with James. At the time, his family didn't know the purpose of the trip, but after hiring a private detective who pressed James' friends for answers, they admitted that James was in Florida to buy a large amount of marijuana to bring back to California to sell. He made some contacts in Citrus County, so that answered why he was in that particular location. As time went on and not hearing from James, his mother would make calls to the police in California and Florida. But like in many cases, they took the stance of James was an adult, and after hearing that he was involved in criminal activities, they had little interest in pursuing the case any further. Almost two years after James boarded that flight, his skeletal remains were found in Dixie County. However, they weren't able to identify James until 34 years later in 2010. This is Dixie County's oldest unsolved homicide. If you have any information regarding this investigation, please contact FDLE Special Agent Mike Kennedy at 850-410-7578 or Crime Stoppers at 888-ANY-TIPS. That's 888-269-8477. If you would like more information about James Norris, go to whokilledjamesnorris.com. This is a website that James' sister runs, and there's more information about James, the case, and the hurt that his family has been going through for so many years. It's time that someone comes forward and gives them some answers. Regardless of what James was doing or what he was into, he didn't deserve to die, and his body didn't deserve to just be discarded. So, if we can all think back to when we were younger, sometimes we don't make the best decisions. But again, you know, things happen, unfortunately. But that doesn't mean someone can't come forward and give his family some answers. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate the show and share. Follow on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Unanswered Podcast for more information. If you have a case suggestion or just want to get more information on a case that we've already featured, go to theunanswerdpodcast.com to submit your request. Join us every Tuesday for a new episode. Stay safe.